Hallelujah. Glory. You may be seated. Hallelujah. As you know, we've been studying our 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to come down here with you all today. Hallelujah. I'm a better target to be thrown at up there. So we're going to go. As you know, we're going to study today. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It's not self-seeking. And today, it is not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. Aren't you thankful that you've been redeemed and you are free from anger and this message is not for you? Amen. Amen. Come on, smile so nobody knows. Hallelujah. Amen. Anger. Anger. I'm going to share some things with you today. I believe it's going to bless you. I believe this message today is going to change marriages, life, this church, where you work. I believe it's going to change what you feel and accept about yourself. And I want to just share with you right quick some definitions on anger. It's not easily provoked. Boy, that's a good one. You ever get irritated? Do you know what the Hebrew word for irritate is? To be at knife point. To be at knife point. You ever had a knife or scissors stuck in your back or your ribs? You ever had somebody who just always... Remember your kids? Daddy, 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 daddy. Nobody lost their cool, did they? What love. Daddy, daddy. What is it, baby? Daddy, I I don't know. You know, it's not easily provoked. It doesn't hold resentment. It doesn't make a blacklist. Anger doesn't remember telephone numbers. Or listen to this, anger doesn't remember addresses of what happened, when it happened, and where it happened. If you can still remember, I remember I was on the 31st Street of Park Avenue when that happened to me, then there is still something being held on to. It it does not list the wrong and it erases it. It means in the Hebrew, have the mind occupied and easily angered and touchy by others. It means that everything done to it, it means to speak. Listen to the Hebrew. Anger means to speak from the memory. If, if you take your notes, write that down. The word anger means to speak from the memory. Well, I remember. When they did this, I remember when it used to be like this. I remember when this happened to me. You may be thinking you're remembering, but it's the spirit or the root of anger that is manifesting itself when you remember something that hurts you, irritates you, or makes you angry. It means to speak from the memory, and it means to stir up what the other person has done. It is not easily angered. It doesn't take offense. It's not quick-tempered or touchy. It is not easily aroused to anger. Love controls the emotions and never becomes angry with a cause, without a cause. The Bible says that there is a righteous anger. How many of you know we, get, we have a righteous anger against abortion? The killing of innocent babies. We, we, we have a righteous anger against the, the molestation of children and, 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 and all the evilness that the enemy is, is doing. And there's a righteous anger, but, but also the Bible wants to warn us here that anger will Uh, What I want to talk on today, anger will get you kicked out and anger will keep you out of the promises and the blessings of God. 
in our jobs, in our marriages, in our lives. How many of you saw the movie Forrest Gump years ago? Well, you know, once in a while, you've got to go back and see, oh, Forrest, life is like a box of chocolates. You know, you've got to go back and see Forrest Gump. But one of the things that was real moving in that movie was Jenny, his, his friend, his girlfriend. And it showed that she came back to her father's farm when her father had passed away and she was grown and she remembered about it. So she went back to her father's farm and it was an abandoned farmhouse. It was all ran down. And she started remembering the sexual abuse she had as a girl. And in the movie, she started picking up rocks and just throwing them at the house. She was hitting the wall. And I don't know if you remember that. She was throwing rocks. I mean, she was just, just throwing them and throwing them till finally she fell down. And old Forrest, he just went up and said, Sometimes there just ain't enough rocks. Sometimes there just ain't enough rocks. Well, how many of you know, church, there's never enough rocks to heal your wounds by expressing and manifesting the anger is to get to the root of it. You know, we want to get to some roots of some things because the Lord wants us free. And we ministered to this young girl in Argentina. Uh, She became a Sunday school superintendent. Now she pastors with her husband. Her husband was just the lowest key, friendliest guy you could meet. And they were having some marriage trouble. And this was in Argentina. And so we were ministering to him. And then we had a minister deliverance to her. And her daddy used to let his friend sleep with her when she was eight years old. Then when she was 12 years old, she went with her bucket to get water at the public water fountain. And at 12 years old, she got raped and she got pregnant. And then she started prostitution to pay for the milk to feed her baby. And, you know, the anger she was manifesting towards her husband just wasn't coming because her husband said or did something wrong. You could find it down to the root where it was just a hate against man in general. I hate that they took my innocence away. Why didn't my daddy protect me? How could he let them and even show them into my room? And it was that hate, and she had to be delivered from that. And the thing that was hardest for her to say out of her mouth and say, in the name of Jesus, I forgive myself. Because so many times we don't, we're so busy trying to forgive other people that we don't forgive ourselves, and the anger boils, and we believe a lie, and we live a lie, that it was our fault that that even happened in the, anyway, and it's not. The Bible says in Colossians 3.8, But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. James 1.19 says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. How many know a lot of times it's the reverse? Huh? And then it says in Proverbs 37.8, Refrain from anger and turn from wrath and do not fret. It leads only to evil. Proverbs 16.32 Better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper, than one who takes a city. And Proverbs 19.11 says, A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. It is to your glory. It is to your honor. It is to your strength to overlook an offense. I want to uh, just read that scripture to you. Listen to this. This is Genesis 49. Write this down. This is the living translation. Genesis 49 verse 6. For in their anger they murder men. Jesus says even if you hold on against your brother or, or your anger or you hate, you've committed murder. It says for in their anger they murder men and they cripple oxen just for sport. 
I remember growing up different friends and neighbors that would just grab a stick or a pipe and, and just beat the dog. Or maybe you heard somebody get angry and just take it out on the dog. I'll have to kick the dog or kick the cat or kick the screen door or kick the tire. But, you know, I, it'd be better off if I just kick an animal instead of kick somebody that I want to kick. The Bible says here that they, they hurt the animals for sport, taking it out on them. Verse 7, listen to this now and pay attention. A curse on their anger, for it is fierce. Listen to what it says again. A curse on their wrath, for it is cruel. And he goes on to say, I will scatter and I will divide. Anger brings a curse of division, of separation, of being scattered. And I want to tell you today that our Father is not pointing a finger. Our Father is extending a hand in compassion and love for each and every one of us. We all need the grace and the mercy. We all are growing in the area of patience and love and, and, and defeating areas of hate and anger. And many times we've been guilty to say, well, it's just the German blood. It's just the Italian blood. It's just the Indian blood. It's just the Cajun blood. It's just the uh, redneck blood or whatever it may be. We're always finding where to blame it where the blame stops here. Because it says that I will put a curse upon them. Now listen to Job chapter 5 verse 2. This is the message translation. You may want to write that down. Job 5 verse 2. This is the message. The hot temper of a fool eventually kills him. The jealous anger of a fool does amend. This is verse 3 now. I have seen it myself. I've seen fools putting, putting down roots. Listen to this. I have seen fools putting down roots... And then suddenly, listen to what it says, their houses are cursed. I've seen these who practice anger build their homes, buy a home, get married, have dreams, but because it doesn't depend on your job about the future of your house, it also depends upon the attitude of our heart. And it says, I've seen a fool build a house, and then the houses are cursed. Listen to this now. Their children are out in the cold, abused and exploited, with no one to stick up for them. Wow. Doesn't that sound like so many things? Homes being wrecked today? They build these homes, they move into these homes, but then anger arouses. And then what happens? I see their kids left out in the cold. I see their kids don't have any safety or no protection. I see their kids exploited and the different things happening to them and the enemy trying to work in their lives and, and destroy it. And it goes on to say, verse 5, Don't blame fate when things go wrong. Trouble just doesn't come from nowhere. God, why me? Well, I said in my word that anger will open the door for curse. Now, praise God, the curse can be broken. We've got a desire to be broken, but we've got to see some things here today. And we've got to go to the Word of God. And that means uh, there's some areas in our lives we may have to deal with. Some areas of going back. You know, I read something in an anger management book. My wife, you know, she uh, works a lot with anger management and has some people she ministers to on a weekly basis and is doing a lot of good. But they asked one of the questions, why you may have anger? And one of the questions, when was your first fight? And do you know immediately, I remember a guy named Kenny in second grade. In second grade, I got my first kiss. And I remember my first fight. 
And it wasn't over the girl who kissed me. But I remember this guy, Kenny, he was the principal's son and all of his brothers, they all were bullies. And this guy, Kenny, he would bully everybody and he bullied me. And I remember one day I was standing against a fence and, you know, he was wearing a hoodie. In my day, hoodies weren't cool. I never wanted to wear a cool. How many of you are over 40 years old? You know, we didn't wear. Anyway, he had a hoodie on and I saw him with that hoodie and he was standing with his back to me. And I took off running as fast as I could. And when I got up to him, I grabbed his hoodie and I pulled him down and I dragged him as far as I could. And then I let him go and I kept on running. (laughs) He got up after me, but he never caught me. But I I pulled him down and I dragged him for a while. And I remember it felt good, but then I got scared. (laughs) Well, you know what? We became friends. And, And listen to this. This is all in second grade. And it's amazing when you go back, things you start remembering. Him and I are walking around the school. We got our arms around each other. You know, just buddies. We're walking around the school. This was after I did this. You know how kids make up? We're walking around the school. And when we turn the corner of the library, these books come flying through the window. The window crashes. And both of us just jump back. I mean, it's a loud explosion and books flying everywhere. His dad was the principal and his mama was the librarian. And she had a nervous breakdown in the library. And she started throwing the books through the window. And they had a, It was a mess. And here's this son seeing this. But I'm sure it wasn't the first time the son saw something at the home. And the reason a lot of times the kids were bullies and the things we went through, the things that hurt us, we don't know all the story why they were like they were. But because they were victimized, then they started victimizing others. And so there's so many times we don't know why people might have treated us or acted like they did. But, but there is something always behind something that causes them to be that way. A few things I have here. Anger is just one letter short of danger. Take the D away and you got anger. He who has a sharp tongue soon cuts his own throat. When a man is wrong and won't admit it, he become, always becomes angry. Speak when you are angry. Listen to this. This is so true. Speak when you are angry and you will make the best speech you will ever regret. (laughs) Huh? Isn't that when you are so motivated, you come out with some of the best speeches? You know, I got to repent. God's working on me. There's been times even in this church in the past and in Argentina, the Lord reminded me, convicted me. There's been times I got bold and I said things. And people started clapping. And it makes you, wow, yes, that sounded like a man of God. But you know, there was times I said it out of my soul. And it wasn't the Spirit of God. There was times I've said things out of being angry. Because something happened or someone said something. And here I am preaching and representing God. And I said something out of anger and it sounded awesome. Some of the best speech. If you don't like this and that, this and that and the other. And you know, it it wasn't God, it was me. And I'll repent for that. I ask you to forgive me for that. But it's amazing how many times we get angry and we wrestle with our husband or our wife or our children. And we we end up sometimes winning the fight, but we do not win the love and the respect. I won the fight, but I distanced myself with my wife or my husband. So who really did win? That's a question. Here's another one. 
Anger is a state that starts with madness and ends with regret. No one can be reasonable and angry at the same time. The emptier the pot, the quicker to boil. So watch your temple. Amen? Now let me share a few things with you. Ecclesiastes 7.9 in the Living Bible says, Control your temple for anger labels you a fool. Now listen to the message translation. Don't be quick to fly off the handle. Anger boomerangs. You can spot a fool by the lumps on his head. That's the message translation. That reminds me of a story of a, 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 a husband who got his check and went, cashed it, and didn't go home Friday night, didn't go home Saturday night, didn't go home all day Sunday. Went out with his friends and spent his whole check. And so after three days, he came back home Sunday night, and his wife was waiting on him at the door. And when he walked through the door, boy, she let him have it. Where have you been? And just, I mean, just all over. And all of a sudden, she quit hollering and said, Well, let me ask you something. How would you like to go three days without seeing me? And he said, I'd love to. Three days later, he started seeing her through the corner of his swollen eye. (laughs) Anger, a boomerang on you. Huh? You know, the Bible says in the book of James 5.16 to confess our sins are our faults to one another. That word sins or faults is the word weaknesses. It's also the word flaws. It's the word for failure. But listen to this. It's also the word for curse. Now, I'm not telling you just go tell anybody because they'll spread it around. Use wisdom who you tell. But there's sometimes you've got to open up your heart and you've got to get it out. Because I've got a problem. I've got an issue with anger. And I want you to pray with me. I want you to help me. I don't want to work on the anger of today. I want to go to the root of it and destroy it so it doesn't control my life for the rest of my life. Amen. So we've got to learn to control that and, and, come, and come against it. Now, if you look in the papers and the news, you find, how many know there's all kind of rages going on? There's road rage. There's parking lot rage. Y'all remember fried green tomatoes? Remember when that woman got that station wagon and just plowed in? Did you, anybody went see Medea goes to jail? Got a forklift, picked up that car and threw it off. I mean, there's parking lot, lot rage. There's air rage. They got to put policemen on the airplane now. Boat rage, fishing rage, river rage, jogging rage. You've seen that jogging rage. <laughs> Bicycle rage, cell phone rage, shopping rage. Grocery cart rage. Don't you love it when somebody behind you hits your heel? Don't you just say, oh, I love you. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. (laughs) Checkout line rage. Church rage. And how many of you know, you see the results everywhere. Mailbox rage. Uh Uh-huh. I've had my mailbox run over three times. Now I've got a tree, a cedar tree planted on the side of my mailbox. Let them try to run over it again. Yeah, I I do. I got a tree on my mill. Yeah. But expressing anger. There's so many scriptures about about anger, about vengeance on your brothers. Uh, A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, Proverbs 14, 17. You know Proverbs 15, 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, Galatians 5, 20. And, And I just got too many scriptures to go over here, but you can look them up in the concordance. Uh, you know, Ephesians 4.26, don't let the sun go down in your wrath. Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness, rage, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. And it just goes on. There's just James 1.19 through 21. There are so many things about anger. But I want to hurt that. I want to just get to the core of my message here about anger will have you kicked out and kept out. 
And I want to talk just a little bit about Moses. The Bible says that Moses struck the rock twice. And God said, you've dishonored me. Therefore, you will not enter into the promised land. How many times we say, oh, Moses, he struck the rock twice. How, how many might remember striking the door? I know when we were first in Central America, I put a hole through the bedroom door. Had to fix it before we left. We left. Here I am, the missionary, and I left my mark. And I had to change my mark. Knocked a hole through the door. Thank God it didn't disqualify me, but God says, you dishonored me in front of your children, in front of your wife, by pitching that fit, for saying those words, for talking down. You dishonor me, and as long as you respond in anger, you bring a curse upon your house. And I want to study some things here about Moses because it is just so important. And I started thinking about Moses. So I dissected his life just to share with you a few minutes. For one, how many know Moses lived as an adopted child and Pharaoh's daughter? But his mother raised him. So that means he had the stepmom, the adopted mom, and he had the real mom. Can you imagine what he was, the pressure he was raised in? His mama said, you don't call Pharaoh's daughter mom, do you? Remember, I'm your mother. I gave you birth. Don't you forget that. I imagine the mom, he felt the pressure when the stepmom would say, listen, I'll give you a lot better things than your mom could if you need to love me more. Because you know there's going to be that competition over a child's love. And all the thoughts and all the fights and all the pressure that Moses grew up under about the, uh, the identifying and who do you love more and all these different things. And look with me in Exodus chapter 2 as we just look at a few things here quickly. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 10. Moses grew up in Exodus chapter 2. So many today. You know, I, I was thinking... I've been hearing parents, you know, speak about this, and, you know, you've been here for a while now. Children just don't know how to commit. These little girls, they're just players. These little boys, they're just players. They start dating, and they hurt each other, and they come to church, and they're crying over a breakup, and you hear all this type of stuff, and they say, what about these kids today? These, these little kids, they just get angry. They, they, they go with this one, and then they break up, and they, they talk about love, and then they're going with this one, and you hear all these different things. But you know what? The truth is, how can they believe in commitment when they haven't seen it in the home? How can they trust love when they haven't seen love in the home? How can they really trust love and expect to have a long-lasting relationship when mom and dad are not together anymore? And now I'm with a stepmom, and she wants me to call her mom, but yet my mom wants me to call her mom, and I'm pulled between the families, and I'm pulled between my heart, and I'm pulled between what's right, and I've got all this pressure on me, and I don't know what to do! So they go start getting frustrated and, and all these things. And it says in verse 11 of Exodus 2, Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, he went out to see his brethren and looked at their burdens. Looked at their burdens. If you look at something long enough, listen now, if you look at something long enough, it's going to grow and eat you on the inside. He would go out and he would see how the Egyptians were treating the, Israel, the Jews. And if you look at something long enough, you will get angry. That's why I counsel you. Don't watch the news too much. 
Don't watch the news too much. Don't listen to what a lot of people say about government and all the different things like that. You keep your eyes on Jesus. Because if you listen to something or see something long enough, how can they be doing this? How can they be doing that? Listen, you don't have the answers. Nobody has the answers. We're going to heaven soon. That's all I know. But church, listen. He would go out and he would look at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way. Look what he did. He looked this way and he looked that way. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Let me tell you something. Whatever you try to hide is going to come back up. He hid that Egyptian in the sand and he thought nobody saw. Listen, if we continue to live a life of anger, people are going to see. We got some policemen here today. I I hope they don't know where you live. (laughs) How many of you know? Fighting in the car. How many of you know? Yeah, we talk with our hands, but there's some sign languages you know they're not talking. (laughs) Listen to people in the mall. How many remember when you first got married when you were a rookie husband? And you came home we got married in 82 and you come home and your wife sets the food before you have to work and she goes, well, how is it? Something doesn't taste right. <laughs> and what does she respond? In other words, it doesn't taste as good as your mother's. <laughs> ah. I remember one of our first fights. I went and got the phone and I called my mom. I said, Mom, I made a mistake. She took the phone, hung it up and says, you're married to me, big boy. (laughs) Forget your mama. I'm your mama and your daddy and your grandpa. There's the Father, Son, Holy Ghost and Cindy. (laughs) You know, I heard a couple. You know what their first fight was about? This is bad. On their honeymoon night, he wanted to keep the light off. On their honeymoon night, keep the light off. I like it dark. So you know what she thinks? Oh, you don't want to see me. Well, guess what? Can't touch this. Yeah. So he, he hid, he hid the Egyptian in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. How many of you know, when you have a spirit of anger and watch this, I want you to see his history. Anger and fighting always follows you. Watch, I'm going to prove it today. He saw two Hebrew men fighting and he said to the one who did the wrong, Why are you striking your companion? And he said, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me too as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Your sin will find you out. Surely this thing is known. And when Pharaoh heard of the matter, he sought to kill Moses. And Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. Now look at this. And he sat by a well. Peace at last. He ran away. And he says, I've got to start over my life again. He sat down by a well. I finally have found some peace. I've moved communities. I've changed spouses. I've changed lifestyles. I've changed churches. I've changed jobs. I'm finally going to have some peace. And what does it say? Here comes the seven sisters and some shepherds to bother him. And he's got to get up and he's got to fight. Say fight. Fight. He's got to fight the shepherds away from those girls. 
The fight follows when you have a fight in you. Why do we get all of, why do we get in all of these fights? Maybe because there's a fight in you. And the well represents peace. But let me tell you something. If the fight's in you, you can never find peace. Because you know what Pharaoh was doing as he was, uh, Moses was doing as he was sitting by that well? I'm sure he was thinking because he named his first son, which means I'm a stranger in a foreign land, which means I'm here physically, but I'm really empty on the inside. I don't know what I'm doing here. How did I get here? Why did I get, let the temper get the best of me? And now I'm here wearing sheepskin instead of silk. I'm living in a tent instead of the palace. I'm a fugitive instead of a prince. And you start thinking of all the things you lost because of your anger. But you can't go back. And you're just stuck. And you feel like, what's forward? And you name your firstborn. I'm a stranger in a foreign land. I've lost everything and I don't have anything else to go to. Nobody understands. The fight continues. And it goes on for a while. Then I want you to see something else here. Look at chapter... Well, you don't have to look at chapter 3, verse 1. Y'all know it. Moses is now 80 years old. And he sees a burning bush. He runs home to his wife. He marries the oldest daughter, uh, Zaphar, which means bad bird. And boy, was she a bad bird. You know what a tough decision is? When your wife's hollering at the front door and your dog's barking in the back door and you've got to decide who you're going to let in. <laughs> the dog, because the dog has stopped barking. You know that. <laughs> but listen. He runs home and he says, Guess what? Where's your shoes? Oh, I forgot them at the talking bush. The talking bush... Yeah, the bush caught on fire. This bush, God started talking to me through this bush, told me to take my shoes off, and he told me I'm going to go set a whole nation free. He would think she'd go, praise God. How are we going to do that? God gave me a stick and a trick. And I'm going to go to Egypt with a stick and a trick, and I'm going to save a nation for God. And she just... Don't think nothing of it. And they start on their way. And I want you to see this. Chapter 4, verse 24. I want you to see this. Because this is important. 424. And it came to pass on the way, on the way, at the encampment that the Lord met him and sought to kill him, to kill Moses. Then Sephora took a sharp stone, cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. And look, in the next verse, she says it again. So he let him go. And then she said, You are a husband of blood to me because of the circumcision. Do you know what? They started fighting over spiritual matters. He believed in circumcision and she didn't. Isn't it amazing how many good Christian people can fight over what they believe about the Bible means? Well, my grandmother told me, if you don't get baptized in Jesus' name only, you're not really baptized. Well, my grandmother told me, you've got to get baptized according to Matthew chapter 28 in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Or how about how many couples fight over the issue of the tithe? I feel God has told me we need to start tithing. Well, then God's got to tell me. How many fighting starts going over spiritual matters? And here's this woman. She cuts. I mean, this is a tough woman because she grabs her kid. And she circumcises him, grabs the foreskin, throws it right 
And the uh, Hebrew says right in his lap and said, you're a bloody man. Or in other words, I don't believe you. I don't trust you. I don't like you. And I don't like none of this. And she takes her kid and she goes back home to her dad. And Moses goes on to Egypt. Verse 8, chapter 18, Jethro comes with Sapphira and with the kids. And they come back and they see Moses years later. But let me share with you what anger will do. All the miracles that Moses saw, the kids did not see. All the signs and wonders that Moses and the Israelites had a part of, they did not receive. And that's what happens when we allow anger to remain at the house or at the job. The blessings that are coming, the children or maybe the spouse or the mate will not see because anger destroyed that house. And someone who is left or out of it is not going to see the benefits of what God wants to do. Maybe you're just newly married. Maybe you've been married a long time and maybe you've just grown accustomed to how, well, she's just like that or he's just like that. I want to share with you today. You've got to get to the root cause of why there's an anger problem or a, a shouting problem or a fighting problem. And it just seems like every time we try to hold a conversation, it just ends up into a war. Listen, it will hurt you and it will hurt your children. His wife and his kids went back to live with daddy. And Moses continued alone. She threw the foreskin. How many have ever had anybody throw, had you, somebody throw something at you? I believe Moses was the first Matrix guy. Whoa, I mean, that stuff was flying around. Huh? We've thrown things. We've had problems. I admit, you know, I love to tell you that everything's just good and good, but you know what? Sometimes you just gotta, you gotta just have it out because how many of you know makeup kissing is good? Makeup kissing is good. Sometimes you just gotta let it out instead of hold it in. Some people hold it in. Let me tell you about this couple. They were celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary. And she was in bed and he went to her and he was saying, you've been such a wonderful wife, but after 60 years, I've got to know what's in that shoebox on the top of the closet. She says, well, it's time to tell you. Go get it down. So she, he went and got the shoebox and brought it on the bed, and she opened it. And it had two crochet dolls and $95,000 rolled up in a rubber band. And he goes, what's this? She goes, Mom, my grandmother told me that every time we fight, instead of fighting, just go crochet a doll. And the old man started crying. He says, you mean we've only fought twice? She goes, No, that's all that's left. The $95,000 is of the sale of all the other dolls. (laughs) But listen, anger is a real issue. And people may not see it. Pastor may not know, but God knows. And we wonder, why am I in my third marriage? Why am I in my fourth relationship? Why am I going through all these things? Why do I marry the same type of person? Maybe it's not the type of person. Maybe it's the type of person we are that brings out the type of person they become. Lord, it's me standing here in the need of prayer. You know, another thing about what she was doing... Here, death is entering and almost killing Moses. And instead of worrying about defeating what was trying to kill something, she was worried about her feelings. I don't believe in this circumcision stuff. I'm not worried about this happening or that happening. 
But how many know God wants to deal with us and we've got to deal with it and we've got to handle it. Says she left him and then she took her kids and he missed out all those years of raising his kids. Let me give you a few things to close here what you need to do. Number one, how many of you know you've got to pray careful? I know you know this. You've got to pray for your marriage, your home, your job, your boss. You've got to pray for grace and love for those you work with that drive you crazy. You've got to pray for grace and love wherever you go. You've got to pray for peace over your home. Number two, position yourself properly. The Bible says to examine ourselves. Is there any way in my life that's not pleasing to God? Now, now I just want to share a short story with you. When, when our second son, Brandon, was born, he was autistic and and. We were having to rush from the hospital for stitches. He would run into the wall and beat his head against the wall. And we just went through so many things. Thank God he's healed and he's delivered. But those first, those two, when he was two and three years old, four years old, those were rough years. And uh, I, I hope you don't judge me by this, but we had a brand new baby in diapers and Brand was still in diapers and going through all that. And it was affecting me spiritually. And I was thinking, well, you know, I've got to preach. And, you know, if I'm at home, the kids are this way and that way. So I got busy in the ministry. Man, I was visiting the hospital. I was starting new works. I opened three Bible schools. I was just always about the ministry, never at home, because I did not want to see or hear what was going on. And there she was with the children. And I was gone. And one day I was coming back from a meeting, and I stopped at this place, and I saw... Uh, Phil Collins had a new CD out. God bless Phil Collins. God will use different things to speak to you. And he had this song talked about all of my life. And one of the courses says, all of my life there have been regrets that I didn't do all I could. Making records upstairs while you watched TV. I didn't spend the time I should. It's a memory I will live with all of my life. That's just one course. Every course spoke to me. And I went home and I got her. I got her in the car and I put that CD on. And I said, I want you to hear this. I said, this is a song that God spoke to me about. And I've not been right with you. I have abandoned you and I ask you to forgive me. I left and blamed ministry and the call in my life as a reason to escape the hell you were staying there and standing with that child and blessing that child and taking care of those children. And I was gone because I didn't want to fool with it. And that song says, you're going to live the rest of your life regretting this if you do not fix it now. I want to tell you today, brothers and sisters, if there's some error in your marriage or in your life that you know not right, you need to go ahead and try your best and ask God for the grace to fix it now. Say that with me. Fix it now. You don't want to live with the regrets. And thank God she forgave me and I've made up for it. But you've got to reposition yourself. How many of you know so many times they get angry and they go, you know, why don't you, why don't you help me around the house? How many, how many of you men know how to iron clothes? How many of you know some of those clothes are demon-possessed? <laughs> you ever try to get the wrinkles out of a shirt? Come out in the name of Jesus and the wrinkles. The wrinkles don't come out. I mean, sometimes it's like some of that stuff is like, it's impossible. But they appreciate the try. At least you're trying. Wash the dishes and break half of them, but at least you're trying. But what am I not doing right? Number three, Moses should have talked to someone before he killed the Egyptian. 
If, you, if you've got anger and, and you're blowing up at work or you feel it coming on or you find yourself going and kicking something and hitting something in the barn or something like that, you need to get some help. Have somebody to talk it over with. Anger will drive you to drinking. Anger will drive you to drugs. Anger will drive you into the arms of someone else. Anger will mess your life up. It says it will destroy your house. And before you have to start hiding things that will come back up, it's best to get it out and talk about it. Even between you, your husband and wife, or with your boss or with a, 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 somebody you work with, talk it out and get it out there. Number four, forgive the failures even if you're right. Even if you're right about what you're angry about, Jesus was right and he forgave us who were wrong. Let me tell you something about relationship. There's a breach in relationship even with God when we don't forgive those who hurt us. There's a relationship between a mate and a co-worker if we don't forgive those who hurt and bother us. Even if we're right, we've got to forgive. Amen? Number five, point the finger in the right direction. If it's a money problem, don't say, you need to stop spending all that money. You need to say, we've got to talk about the finances and where the money's going. If you're upset about the yard, you're just lazy. Don't ever do nothing in the yard. You say, man, we've got to speak about what, what you think we could do about this yard. There's ways of talking without pointing the finger at the one or the other. Number six, consider what anger does to the family your job, and your future. Number seven, think about what your children or what you miss out on because anger ends up dividing you. Now, Joshua, I won't end here. Joshua chapter one. Let me give you some points here and I'll end because I want to give you some things to work with. Joshua chapter one. I know you're hungry. I know you're ready to go, but we're going to go free from this anger problem today. Amen. Amen. Joshua chapter one. Look at this. After the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, it came to pass. Listen, whatever season you're in, listen to me. Moses got into a new season. Listen, even if you are in a new marriage, a new job, and a new relationship, you are in a new season. You've got to learn to make the most of the season you're in and stop living in regrets over the last season that you cannot fix. He says, Moses is dead. You cannot live up to be in Moses. You've got to be Joshua, but this you've got to know. I'm with you, Joshua, just like I was with Moses. Listen to this. He is with you in this season and what you're going through right now, just as he was in the last season. If you messed up the last season, thank God he's the God of this season. Repent for what you did. Repent for what somebody did. Let them go. Release them. But you're in a new season and you've got to take this season and you've got to go forward. You've got to learn to release them. Moses is gone. Those days are gone. You've got to plan for the future. You've got to plan for the future. Number two. He says in verse three and four, it says. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give you, as I said to Moses. And then he gave him the boundaries. You need to write this down. You've got to put the boundaries in your marriage. You've got, if you're having trouble in your marriage, you're having trouble at the job, you've got to put boundaries. And by putting your foot about every place your foot treads, it means you've got to put to work what you know you've got to do. 
If you know you've got to start dating your wife again, you've got to start setting aside time and taking your wife out. If you know you've got to turn the phone off when it's time to eat so you can be with your family, you've got to do what you've got to do. You've got to make the boundaries. You've got to go to bed early enough. You've got to get up early enough to pray and read together. You have to do what you have to do, but you are going to have to put some boundaries to keep the life and the marriage from going back and ending up into that same problem, that same fight that's always been there. There's a book out about boundaries. You've got to get it. Number four, it goes in verse four and it says, from the wilderness to Lebanon, talks about boundaries there, that you can't copy others. You've got to do what works for you. And then it says in verse five, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I want to stop on this point just real quickly. I want to try to get through this. Listen to this. No man will be able to stand before you. Listen, be careful who you talk to and who you listen to. If you're trying to conquer anger and you're trying to fix your marriage and you're trying to get along with people you work with, don't listen to those who are always downing that person or other people because that will just keep feeding the resentment and the anger and you'll never get over it. Okay? So be careful. Even if your mama says, I told you that little girl was no good. Well, don't listen to mama. You married her, now you pray, and you work on getting it fixed, okay? So be careful before who you speak to and who you let speak into your life. And then he goes in the same verse 5, I will not leave you or forsake you. I will not abandon you, and he will not abandon your family either. Amen. So you've got to realize that. And then 6 and 7, I'll hurry this. It says, listen, be strong and courageous. Church, listen to this. If we're going to fix our marriages and the situations, the job with people we've been fighting with, we're going to have to be strong. But listen, strength just doesn't come because we ask God for it. Just like lifting weight, strength comes over a period of time. Well, the strength that God gives comes over a period of time. We've got to keep working that strength, keep working that love, keep working that grace, keep working that mercy. And also, it says to be strong and courageous. If we are going to make our marriage and our jobs, our relationships work, we're going to have to be courageous. Listen, you're not getting rid of me. We may fight and we may fuss, but I'm not breaking our, com- our covenant and you're not breaking your covenant and we're going to make this work. You've got to be courageous. Listen, I've got some situations in my life I've got to deal with. There's some problems in my area I've got to fix. There's some habits that I need to break. There's some areas I need to be more sensitive in. You've got to be courageous. If we're not going to be courageous, then these marriages and the working conditions will not change. We've got to be courageous to face and say, you know what? That's my problem. You know what? I've been wrong in this area. You know what? I'm not going to fight over that anymore. You know what? I'm not going to bring that up anymore. So we have to ask the Lord to be courageous. Amen. So let's stand up right quick. Let me go ahead and stop there.